This is the Canna Curio Podcast by Cannabis Media, your source for cannabis and hemp license updates directly from the data vault. Don't forget to subscribe to the Cannabis Media newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to stay informed of future episodes and data releases. Welcome to the Canna Curio Podcast powered by Cannabis Media. We're your hosts, Amanda Guerrero and Ed Keating. This week, we're joined by Colton Griffin, the CEO of Flourish Software. Flourish actually has an interesting story with us here at, at Cannabis Media. Uh, they uh, have been in and out of our, our purview for, for quite some time and just recently signed up uh, to become a Cannabis Media subscriber. So we're very excited to have Colton on the show and, and learn more about uh, their experience here within the industry. But as always, we're going to jump in with Ed and the data and see what he's got for us this week uh, in terms of updates. Ed? Thanks, Amanda. So actually, a lot of data has come in in the last week or so, and I don't know if it's regulators trying to just do some year-end housekeeping, but we had new licenses coming in from Oklahoma, Washington, California, Michigan, Rec, and Medical, uh, as well as Canada, and even a little bit in Rhode Island. And then the data team has been working kind of furiously in Oklahoma to create companies uh, that own the licenses because we're seeing that there's a lot of you know ownership of multiple licenses. So the team's been really pretty busy bringing in a lot of that kind of data. Yeah, focusing on stacking I see within California. Um, now, will uh, these updates be published within the, the first uh, first month of 2021, or, or when can we anticipate this in the database? Oh, they are, they're actually already in now. These are ones that have come in essentially live, because as we get them, they Fantastic. go live essentially uh, immediately. So, I mean, we'll see in 2021, you know, what, what comes in as uh, in terms of things that, you know, may be coming in over the holidays, but we get them in as soon as we find them. So, uh, so yeah, look for them in there now. I love it. As I mentioned, we have on the show with us today uh, the CEO of Flourish Software, Colton Griffin. Colton, thank you so much for joining. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, of course. Uh, like I said in the introduction, uh, you've been kind of in and out of our of our reach uh, for the last few years, uh, and just recently came on as a as a subscriber. What made you guys uh, move forward uh, with our, our platform? Well, I appreciate the perssistence and sorry for blowing up your uh, sales cycle metrics. So <laughs> no we honestly, you know, we've wanted to work with you guys for a long time. We just needed to make sure that we had the team and infrastructure in place to take advantage of the platform. So as we got into the, the fall here, we felt like we were ready and ready to adopt it and leverage uh, the database and you know work with you guys. So we made the decision and, and pulled the trigger. I love it. Uh, well, we were so excited to have you on the team. I know it was a big day of celebration uh, on the sales team when, when we saw the the subscription come through. Um, but in terms of, of Flourish, you guys are a, a seat-to-sale solution for the cannabis and hemp industries. Um, how did you know you wanted to focus on, on the, the supply chain within, within both uh, industries and provide create the solution? Yeah, well, you know, I think timing and a little luck uh, helped make it all happen. I've been a long time hemp believer and, and, and cannabis fan, uh, you know, all ever since I was, I was really young actually. 
Uh, it's amazing to see how much this industry is, well, first of all, that industry is here as a legal and, and legitimized industry across the world at this point, and amazing how far it's come in the last couple of years. So our background and my background is really rooted in traditional supply chain operations and technology. So think, you know, very large scale warehouses, manufacturing plants and all the software that, you know, moves hundreds of thousands of boxes and directs, you know, hundreds of workers around a facility. Uh, and that's, that's really the world I come, came from. And, you know, we just happened to fall into cannabis by meeting some folks in the industry and learning that there was a huge need. Uh, back uh, in 2017, when we started the company, you know, I was actually living in Atlanta. I'm in Los Angeles now. And, you know, I don't think I had the appreciation for where the industry was, you know, living there. Uh, but as soon as we discovered that, you know, there was this huge cannabis market just ready to explode uh, and, you know, already had a couple of years under its belt and software was one of the biggest pain points that operators were facing and the type of software they needed was the type of software that we knew how to use and build and deploy. And we had worked with, you know, hundreds of companies across the country doing that, you know, in other verticals. We said, wow, there's an awesome opportunity for us to apply our skills here and, and make a difference and support something we believe in. So here we are. Yeah, absolutely. What a journey since 2017. Um, now, in terms of the, the business focus here, uh, you know, you guys provide solutions for both the cannabis and hemp sector. I'm curious, you know, what has that growth looked like? And, you know, is, is cannabis beating hemp or is hemp beating cannabis in terms of the number of businesses that you guys uh, work with? Yeah, you know, we work uh, with with both cannabis and hemp operators in about 14 markets across the country. Uh, I think I think we're at about 14 states right now. Um, cannabis is still the majority of our business. I'd say we're about 70% cannabis, 30% hemp, uh, probably due to the fact that cannabis has been in, in the market for a little bit longer than, than hemp. Uh, you know, we really picked up hemp operators in, in a serious way last year, and I've seen a lot of continued success this year with uh, with servicing the, the industry and, and the, you know, the business is, uh, is in there. And... Um, uh, yeah, uh, we looking forward to next year. Like, I think we'll see growth in, in both. I mean, you know, there's new markets opening up in cannabis in mature markets. We continue to see tons of traction and new people like, you know, either finally adopting technology to make their business run smoother and scale and, you know, and, and open that second location or, you know, stop having to worry about all the, the some of the day to day stuff that we take care of with through the software. And hemp is is just like in its infancy right now. I mean, it's there's so much potential in the hemp market, and you know, we haven't even barely scratched the surface. So I'm excited about both. Oh, that's great. Well, digging into it, uh, you know, and, and getting to understand what Flourish does, you speak about being you know the best supply chain software on the market and focused on cannabis hemp, but you also mentioned CBD and. And I'm kind of curious, how does CBD fit in there? You know, in my head, I think of it as like a, one of the end products of a hemp or cannabis production. But, you know, d do you help people track that CBD all the way into the retail channels that we're seeing down in like Florida and Alaska and elsewhere where it's supermarkets, convenience stores, gas stations? Like, you know, how do you fit in that whole CBD uh, value chain or production chain? Yeah, so, you know, we include CBD in sort of our top line messaging to basically to help our clients find us easier. Uh, so, you know, we mostly service as part of like that that segment of, of the industry, 
uh, extractors. So we and we service both the cannabis extractors and, and hemp extractors, um, you know, making CBD products. And uh, and for them, you know, we we kind of do the same for all those businesses. We we manage the inputs, we manage the machine extraction runs, the the outputs, all the inventory, the sales orders, uh, the batch tracking, lot tracking. Uh, to comply with, you know, various, you know, recall, you know, protocols and, and federal regulations and, and guidance for, for GMP compliance and Food Safety Act stuff. And, um, and so that's kind of, that's where the CBD comes from in our, uh, in our messaging. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Now, it's sort of taking a step up a little bit, and this may tie back to some of the discussions you and I had a couple months ago. Um, when we were studying the software providers in the whole space, you know, I found companies who described themselves as ERPs, others as seed to sale, others as supply chain or back office. I'm curious, you know, given your long experience uh, with these kind of solutions, how would you describe the difference, and, and are the differences uh, meaningful? You know, I think. Uh, they are. So seed to sell is a very unique term for the industry, which I love. I mean, it's, it's just, uh, uh, it's, it's a great way to describe, you know, how we service our clients from, from, you know, conception through in retail sale. Uh, and it's pretty unique to cannabis and, and hemp. ERP, uh, enterprise resource planning, such a, a charged term that, you know, I like to kind of <laughs> unpack that uh for you know for clients when we're in, in conversations with them and you know i think it's a good opportunity here to kind of understand what that is you know we i would say are an erp 2.0 so you know the modern world of software is built uh in a very agile way things are interconnected and you know we're you have multiple modules that capture business processes and segments of business and help enterprises you know manage their resources manage their inventory through the you know the various stages of production and sometimes physical locations and, and processes that they uh, that they do to to bring the product to market, uh, you know we're not a traditional ERP like a, an Oracle or an SAP you know something that's was built 20, 30 years ago and is huge and bloated and takes six months to eighteen months to deploy and million dollars you know investment and then you have to bolt on everything to it. We're much more, you know, lighter supply chain execution, supply chain management platform, you know, that that really tackles the the core supply chain related functions that an ERP would handle. Um, so I'd like to say maybe we're an ERP uh, from seed to sale, servicing the back office to support the front <laughs> office, uh, and we can just grab all those words into one <laughs> one word or one sentence. All right, so one of us has to say bingo. You hit all the magic uh, words there. So uh, buzzword bingo. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's challenging. I think a lot of customers, you know, they they know they want a piece of software to run their business, right? From from end to end, they want you know one stop shop, a single point of truth uh, for visibility and management, and 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 that's what we do at the end of the day. We, you know, we we from purchasing through fulfilling the sales orders, you know, we can handle all those business processes. You know, we enable finance with, you know, invoicing and, you know, we would generally deploy with like a QuickBooks online or, you know, to another type of finance tool like that, that they, you know, that tool manages, manages the general ledger, but, you know, we'll still manage all the sales orders and the purchase orders and the cost of goods sold and cost tracking. And, um, and so I think when a lot of times our customers come, you know, looking for ERP, I think, you know, we are what they are looking for. It's just about articulating that and splitting hairs over definitions and, 
you know, technology has changed a lot since that, that term was invented years and yeah. years ago. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Now, in terms of the complexity of your clients, I'm curious if you're starting to see some who are kind of crossing the streams by being involved in both cannabis and hemp, because the reason why I ask is that, you know, as a data company on our side, we're starting to see that happen in a few cases. Like if you look at Cureleaf, you'll see that obviously they have their cannabis businesses, but they also talk about the fact that they're in hemp. And I think Vareo also has a few hemp licenses. So I'm curious, are, are you seeing that? And do you have customers that um, that sort of cross the streams and, and work in, in, in both sides of the industry? We, we do to a degree. Uh, it's, you know, the regulatory hurdles to stand up a cannabis business are so much different than hemp that, you know, a lot of these bigger companies are, you know, they do have a hemp division because they want to sell, you know, like a hot category like CBD pet treats or, you know, just pure CBD products that they can distribute nationally, you know, and maybe open that supply chain channel up and those relationships up so that when cannabis becomes federally legal, they can just tack on a cannabis line right to that. Uh, so, so we see, um, we do see some customers, you know, in the hemp industry, most of our customers are one or the other, and then some of our customers are like invested in the other industry, uh, that they're not in, uh, just because, you know, they're mm -hmm. related and close enough, but maybe they don't have the same operations team around them. I, I do see a lot of our, our hemp clients are, you know, very well suited to take advantage of, you know, growing cannabis, uh, and distributing and manufacturing cannabis products, you know, if regulations change on the either state or federal level. And I know that's, that's, you know, in the, you know, the plans for, for some of those, you know, sophisticated hemp operators that, that, that we work with. So, you know, for us, we, we built the software to, to solve business problems and run, run businesses, uh, not just check compliance check boxes. Uh, we, compliance is baked in end to end and you know, core to what the product does, but it's not the end all be all. And when we started building this in 2017, you know, we basically said, hey, we need to make sure that we're relevant post-federal legalization. If all the cannabis regulations disappeared, I still want our customers to, you know, feel like they need and want the software. And when hemp, you know, came along, I guess 2018, after the farm bill, and then really in 2019 to see most of the businesses starting to adopt software, we validated a lot of that, you know, that those ambitions by being able to sell this to clients that weren't mandated to buy a piece of software uh and so you know i'm i'm really excited to i was really excited to see that be successful and we work with the cannabis and hemp clients to solve you know to capture the business processes and you know the data they need to, to make decisions and you know to comply with various regulations that they you know that they're trying to hold themselves or standards they're trying to hold themselves to and uh, i do see in the future, more businesses melding between, you know, both cannabis and hemp. It, it just makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it does. And that, that was going to be one of the follow-up questions. Like, you know, do you think we'll see more of that? And I, I think so. And I was curious going back to one of the points you touched on with Amanda earlier in terms of, you know, the number of markets you're in, you know, are there certain types of characteristics that you like to focus on in terms of markets? Because, you know, we've been looking at companies, software companies that, cross i think what you've described as sort of a low threshold to let's say be certified on metric and be in a state but you know how do you pick those states that uh that, that you want to be in is it customers reaching out to you kind of a pull demand or is it more you see certain characteristics that draw you to hey we need to be in oklahoma crazy as it is let's go in there 
<laughs> yeah, you know, we get hundreds of inbound requests a month asking for, you know, more information on our software and how they can use it from all across the country and internationally. So we always are uh, sort of evaluating which markets we want to play in and which ones we can't. We, we built the software in a way that we can really satisfy everybody uh, nationally uh, on the hemp industry. So on, in hemp, it's pretty easy because the businesses look similar. It doesn't matter if they're in Kentucky or Tennessee or California or, you know, Virginia, like they, you know, there's not a lot of state specific differences uh, that we have taken account for. Um, for cannabis, it's a little different because the cannabis has such a, a more intense layer of, of regulations on top of the businesses. So for cannabis, basically, if it's a metric state, you know, we're certified and integrated in the metric in a very, very robust way. It's a, it's a huge piece of the value prop, making that, uh, that easier for our clients. And um, we, you know, take into account the special business logic and sort of nuances state by state uh, that uh, either metric dictates or the state dictates. And so, you know, we feel very comfortable with all of those, um, uh, all of those, all of those states. And then we also, uh, you know, operate very easily in states with no state track and trace, like Florida, Oklahoma, Arizona, Texas, uh, Virginia, uh, you know, all those states we, you know, we operate in because we, we can just run the business and, you know, produce the reports they need to, you know, to be compliant. The only states that we don't work in right now are some of the biotrack states, uh, because either they're, you know, the license counts are smaller and mm. it's, uh, it's near impossible to build integration with. It's just, you know, they just haven't built in a way that, um, that's friendly. And then, you know, MJ freeways created a monopoly in Utah, Pennsylvania. So they don't allow anybody to deploy there. So we can't operate in those states. And then Washington state, it's just, you know, to build a one-off integration for state track and trace just hasn't really, frankly, been worth our, worth the, the effort. Uh, yep. So we haven't gone into that state. Um, but yeah. yeah. Uh, and then as far as like characteristics of customers, you know, we really can work with customers, you know, from like the five to 10 person, you know, more startup minded company uh, to, you know, the thousand plus multi-state operator. We have, uh, we have current clients that that are on both ends of that spectrum. Uh, a lot of our clients, you know, are more like, like 20 to 50 person business that, you know, has an operation of decent size that needs, you know, software to help them run it on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, you know, and, and those could be people that, you know, um, you know, ultimately you're just trying to, to run the business in a more efficient and more, you know, uh, uh, thoughtful way. Uh, and they need, some software for visibility and controls and, you know, to hook things like a e-commerce e marketplace up to their inventory management system so that they don't have to type every order in manually again into another system. You know, yeah. they're looking for those uh, sort of business solutions to, to solve uh, and, and capture what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis and free up their time to just run the business. Great. I mean, it's interesting sort of listening to your answer because, you know, what, what I heard you say is the fact that you're able to help customers who are on the small side up to the MSO side. So it sort of scales that way and also help people who are working in different compliance environments, those that don't have seed to sale versus those that do. So sort of another scaling thing. So I guess it just speaks to the fact that uh, you guys are really building a system that can scale in a way that helps customers. And I, I think they should sort of take 
um, good comfort from that if if they are customers because by covering all states, you really provide a solution that puts you ahead of those vendors that I've seen that, you know, we call one state wonders, you know, you go look at some of the seed to, uh, seed to sale or point of sale vendors and almost every state has a homegrown solution provider, you know, the local favorite, let's say, but if any of those businesses need to cut across state lines, that solution is really not going to work. And I, I would think that, you know, that's where flourish can really come in and, and, and assist those stronger, bigger, um, license holders? Well, you know, the barrier to entry to stand up, you know, a quote SaaS company to do, you know, some level of functionality that, that, you know, that's sufficient, especially at the earlier stage of a business's life is not that huge. Um, but it's a, it's a ton of engineering to get it, you know, to a, a point where you can, you can scale up and then go across state lines. You know, and we've done that with a good number of clients now where we've, you know, proven out the ability to, manage items across states and, you know, and, and roles and permissions and mm -hmm. data. And, you know, we, when we deploy in a state, there's a set of features and um, config settings that are just automatically set to the state uh, state's parameters so that, you know, like in, in California, we don't tag plants until they go into individually until they go into mature phases. But in most other metric states, we tag them when they go into veg. And it's just like these like yeah. little differences state by state that, that you know, we've already worked through and, and coded. So it makes it easy. And, you know, our our largest uh, customer or one of our largest customers, at least they they went from like 50 to almost 1500 employees in you know, under two years. Uh, and they built that and scaled that whole business on our, on our software platform. Right. And I, wow. uh, and it was, uh, incredible to see that type of growth, you know, uh, for, for a customer. And, you know, we, we learned a lot by, by holding their hand along the, that journey and, and, and helping them do it, which is why they, they worked with us in the first place. And we've worked with a good number of other customers that, I mean, maybe haven't scaled to a thousand plus people, but have definitely doubled and tripled and quadrupled their operations in, you know, a year or, or two, uh, which is, uh, which has really been impressive. And we like to say that we're, you know, you can get in, you can adopt a certain level of functionality, you can, you can run the business. And then, you know, when you've added 10 more headcount and you need some additional controls, those controls are already in the system and you can just turn them on and adopt more of the product and yep. um, continue to run your business and not feel like you need to go switch. Yeah, I mean, it really seems that, you know, and, and I've talked about this in some of the reports that I've written, that there are benefits with going with a compliance provider like yourself that operates sort of like an MSO does. You know the rules and regulations across multiple jurisdictions, so this is not your first rodeo. And, and when client X wants to move into that other state, you're already there, and it's not they're not uh, trying to come up to speed on your learning curve. So it leads me to the last question I have is, you know, how do you think the battle for market share is going to play out? Because the software space is crowded. You know, do you think it's going to be, you know, a big race to sign up as many MSOs as people can get because they, you know, some say they're going to be the winner or do you think it's going to play out in a different dynamic? It is crowded. I'll say that <laughs> it's I feel bad for our buyers because they have to wade through so many choices sometimes uh, to decide, you know, who they even want to talk to. Uh, and then, you know, then they go through evaluation phase and, you know, looking at different demos and trying to decide between all these various software platforms. It, it's a lot to wade through. 
you know, I do think, you know, looking out over the next year and definitely two years, we'll see some things shake out, you know, may see some consolidation, some people, you know, just running out of cash and needing to, you know, to, to be acquired or, you know, people looking for a quick exit and exiting. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this, all the various software platforms sort of beat out each other, you know, from a multi-state operator perspective, most multi-state operators have not solved technology. In fact, I would say most multi-state operators don't even have a clear org structure to champion that. Mm. Uh, it's kind of amazing how some of these companies have run and, and grown so large, uh, a lot of inorganic growth as well, uh, and they don't have consistent data and reporting systems across the enterprise. Um, it's, uh, so I do think there's, you know, a lot of, you know, us included are, I mean, like, are, have a stake in one piece or another piece of, of multi-state operators operations and, you know, are, are working to, to, to service the whole, the whole enterprise for some of them. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a slow, uh, it's a slow race. It's not a fast one. You know, these are, are larger deals. They're complex. There's lots of stakeholders. Yeah. There's, you know, the, those multi-state operators aren't always set up to, to make those decisions. You know, one of, one of our, our customers at Parallel Brands has been, uh, you know, a great customer. And, you know, they, when we started with them, like they, they had that in place. They had a CIO that would champion it and, and, and rationalize technology and, you know, and, and they deployed us across, you know, their markets. And it's been really cool to, um, to see that be really successful, it's a huge advantage for them, you know, and uh, I think some other operators could, could take note of that and, and take technology a bit more serious than, than they have. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know yeah. who who will win that market uh, and or if it's even a winnable market. I mean, you know, maybe uh, they uh, are comfortable running six different software solutions across, you know, the 20 states they run in. Well, we will definitely be tracking uh, their market growth over the next year, you know, through Kanakirio and through uh, our uh, Ed software stack that he comes out with, um, you know, every year. We've done a, a couple uh, promos on it and some, um, you know, uh, created some materials on it internally um, to share with our subscribers and to share with uh, others. But um, I think you bring up a, a lot of uh, really interesting points, uh, especially as it relates to technology within the MSO, uh, the MSO businesses. I mean, it really, um, it's not a well, it's surprising how not well thought out some of the technology, the implementations have been. Um, but I really uh, am looking forward to watching you guys grow and see, you know, kind of exactly where you fit in uh, and how you continue to, to expand um, your reach across uh, the cannabis and hemp sectors. Um, now, Colton, Kind of staying within that same frame uh, in lens of thinking, um, you know, this year has been pretty monumental for cannabis uh, businesses. Uh, you know, do you guys have any predictions or, or hopes for the future, you know, as it relates to federal legalization or decriminalization? Um, you know, kind of what are you guys looking forward to and hoping for, for the future? Well, I think we are set up at uh, federal level for meaningful action, which is exciting. You know, government only move, doesn't move as fast as we'd like it to move. And that's pretty much across the board, which is a lot of times a good thing. You know, we want decisions to be well thought out before they're codified into law. Uh, but at the same time, we, we do need some movement, especially on the on the banking and, and criminal justice you know, reform 
uh, on, uh, for, for cannabis. It's pretty ridiculous that there's, you know, over what, over a quarter million or is it almost a half million people that work in this industry and it's still considered federally illegal. Uh, it just makes, it makes no sense. And been billions of dollars in transactions and money uh, that has to go through a very, very challenging banking, you know, uh, banking framework to, to work and it doesn't really work. It's like, these are very solvable problems <laughs> that are, are ready to be solved and just need to be voted on. And so I, I suspect um, and, and hope and, you know, look into the future of this, you know, in 2021, that we'll see some movement. Uh, I don't know that we'll see everything on our wish list uh, be ticked off, but, yeah. you know, I, I do think we'll see positive movement at the federal level um, uh, this year. It's, uh, you know, it's going to take just consistent lobbying and reminder and reminding, you know, folks at, at the federal level that, that we need to see the change. Um, yeah, I, from a techno yeah, from a technology perspective, you know, and even kind of following up on the MSO thing, you know, it's right now, the last couple of years has been just a, a market grab, right? Like there's a brand new market. Let's try to grab market share. Let's establish brands. Let's test brands. Let's stand up storefronts. You know, technology isn't always leading with that because, you know, frankly, you just need to get the building up and you need to start running some sales and you need to just make it work in whatever way you need to make it work. <laughs> yeah. So I suspect that we'll see... Uh, a much more, you know, a closer uh, attention to software and, and analytics and data as we get into next year and, 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 and on the, you know, 2021, 2022, 2023, because at a certain point, you know, you go from just net new market expansion to competing with other people. And if you're in a competitive environment, you need tools to remain competitive. You need consistent data to understand how you're performing. You need to consistent controls to uh, produce consistency and, you know, frankly, you need your, your, your operations team to not be pulling their hair out to getting that information. They just need a system to look to and, and they're going to demand, you know, tools that they either used previously, previously, you know, in other lot, you know, past industries and, uh, past, you know, points in their career or that they see other people adopting and using. So I think we'll see good things on the technology front, you know, in the years to come. Uh, and, um, I mean, you know, we're, there's a ton of new market opportunities in, in, in the U.S., um, you know, international aside. And, uh, you know, I don't think this is slowing down anytime soon. It's just nothing but opportunity. It's a great time to be involved in the industry. Well, I think we'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, opportunity, consistency, standardization across the board, you know, all, all good things to, to think about and keep at the, the forefront of our minds here in 2021. Um, well, Colton, thank you so much for joining us on today's show. It really has been, been great learning from you and getting your, your take on uh, uh, what's going on here within the industry. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, Ed. Really appreciate y'all having me on. And always great to talk about industry and you know, share the story of Flourish. And you know, I really appreciate you guys uh, having me. Yeah, of course. It's our pleasure. Um, all right, Ed. Well, let's take our, our last look into the 2020 data vault and see what we have to look forward to coming up next. 
uh, in the next few weeks before the end of the year. Yeah, well, one of the areas that we're looking into are some of the licenses that we don't spend as much time on. Typically, uh, laboratories, testing labs, and distributors. Not every state has distributors, for example. Um, these license accounts tend to be lower and also less volatile than the cultivation and the retail dispensaries that we look at almost every month. So we're just trying to get some year-end uh, views on those. Where did we see changes? Where did we see no changes? And we'll be reporting on that in future can of curio blog posts and also uh kind of a year-end wrap-up that we'll put out um, i think probably the first week of 2021 how exciting uh well everyone thank you so much for your support this year and for tuning in uh this is the can of curio podcast powered by cannabis media we are your hosts amanda guerrero and ed keating uh this has been a really great experience uh and we're just so so glad to have your guys' support to have these wonderful guests like colton and the flourish uh team uh, on with us so uh thank you so much and everybody stay tuned for more updates from the data vault in 2021 thanks for listening to the canicurio podcast by cannabis media stay up to date with the latest episodes of the podcast and get alerts on the latest licensing activity in the united states and canada as well as exclusive industry insights by signing up for the cannabis media licensing newsletter at cannabis.media newsletter